Welcome to the Paragold Podcast. This is Jared Pickney, and I'm joined today by the owner slash general manager of Anytime Fitness, who also happens to be a personal trainer and coach, and my biological brother. Brother from the same mother. From the same mother. Thanks so much for coming on, man. My pleasure. Thank you for having me, Jared. Yeah. Glad that you can be here. I'm happy to be here. Are you comfortable? I am. How's your, how's your water? It's perfect. Okay, good. Um, so obviously this is going to be a little bit different than most podcasts because I know you. A lot of times people come on here and I don't know, I really don't know much about them. So I'm just like naturally curious um, and just trying to learn about them. And so obviously I know a little bit more about you than maybe some of the previous guests, but let's pretend like I don't know anything. Okay. <laughs> How does that sound? <laughs> um, so let's just start with this. Why don't you tell us a little, a little bit about your background, kind of mm-hmm. where you came from and how you got to where you are today. And I'm sure we'll stop um, here and there and I'll ask you some more questions and whatnot. So, Sure. Absolutely. Okay. Right. Well, I was born and raised uh, you know, lo- uh, here locally. I was born in Jonesboro. Um, and raised in Paragold, Arkansas. So, like yourself, well, shout out to St. Uh, Bernard's. Shout out to St. Bernard's, absolutely. And uh, but raised in Paragold, and um, um, went to Paragold. Attended Paragold High School. That's where I graduated from in 1998. Yep. And uh, I'm also a 2004 uh, graduate, uh, graduate of Arkansas State University. Mm-hmm. What did you did you play uh, sports in Paragold? Were you into any? Were you, were you very active? Grant? I played a lot of baseball. So, um, you know, dad was uh, a huge baseball fan. That's probably an understatement. So uh, I remember a lot of my child, childhood, you know, during the summers, if we weren't practicing baseball or at a baseball game, yeah. um, you know, we were inside watching the St. Louis Cardinals play baseball on TV. One so of lots my, of baseball. Yeah, one of my first memories literally is sitting in our living room on Kennedy Street. I couldn't have been older than four maybe five and literally it's one of my first memories it's watching dad watch the cardinals and i had no idea why he was into it i just remember he kept saying just watch the ball just watch the ball and i didn't really understand it but i certainly remember the cardinals playing a big role um it filled our living room many nights and i do remember you playing baseball at bland park i also remember you getting hit by josh ag i did he nailed me man Tell me about that. He did. <laughs> he threw a, uh, I believe it was a, um, it was a curveball. I saw the spin on the ball, and um, and uh, it it didn't really dip over the plate um, uh, like I think he expected it to, and like I expected it to, and it, it caught me right on the uh, right on the elbow. I tried to get out of the way, but it popped me right on the elbow. Did it hurt? Uh, it hurt really bad. Yeah, it did. And uh, and we were both pitching. He was pitching. You know, we were both opposing each other oh. but I was pitching that game but he hit me on my non-pitching arm okay. so it didn't knock me out of the game thankfully playing injured but playing injured I just had to pitch off the stretch it took took the wind up away from me did you uh, vote for Farrell Gibson because of that absolutely yes I've held a gr- <laughs> <laughs> uh no I, I just had to say that because I thought it'd be funny yeah that's it was funny <laughs> um yeah, well, so you played baseball, um, were active. When did you, 
Let's see. I'm trying to think. You play basketball. Anything else that you were into activity-wise going up? Were you into working out? Any of that kind of stuff? You remember. know what? Strangely enough, I wasn't, you know, working out wasn't, I, I wasn't really introduced to me, um, you know, until later in my life. So growing up, it was, um, you know, the extent of, of activity, um, you know, was playing baseball. And mm-hmm. like you said, at Bland Park. And I feel like we played a lot of basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, at home and we did. at, our, at our, our neighbor's house. Yeah, we had some heated you know, we battles. Had, we did. Especially yeah, once we, really we got did. the the, uh, the chain uh, net. Remember that? The chain net, man, that was like, golly. Might, have been, might as well have been 24 karat gold. That's yeah, what it man. felt like to me. It's like street ball, man. Yeah, right? Yeah, it's amazing to me how, um, how mean I felt like that you were to me whenever we were playing one-on-one just because <laughs> I was better than you. <laughs> Um, this is the first time we've ever had this conversation. Oh, but go ahead. Be, be, I want you to be completely transparent well, here on your just, show, on your podcast. To be completely was, open. Okay, thank you. That's, I always am, and I and I just feel like that you should have been much kinder to me, considering I saved your life. Oh no, we're <laughs> we're gonna go there, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is all about being real. You know, the I people like, want to hear your story. I feel like this was prior to that feel like i have been kinder to you since you saved my life that is true so take me seriously was that is that your senior year yes that was my senior year of high school okay yes and i had i had never uh in my life you know epilepsy isn't something that i grew up with i wasn't maybe i was born with it and it just didn't manifest itself until my senior year of high school but there had been no signs of it throughout my childhood until my senior year of high school timing was not was not great um, at all. Uh, but I just remembered having some strange symptoms. Um, just some, I remember them as kind of just really quick muscle jolts is how I can describe it. And, um, but no, nothing, nothing major, but just, it was just odd. You know, I would have kind of a jolt and then feel disoriented for a few seconds after that. Yeah. And I had a couple of episodes of that, uh, leading up to that to that day, that morning that I had that seizure, but I wasn't talking to anyone about it because you know it was kind of it was different and it was kind of scary. And I was like, you know, was I'm kinda, one of them in a Branson hotel? Like you like tripped across the floor? Yes, or, yes, uh, we did. Yeah, as a matter of fact, there was a um, we were on a uh, on a youth trip, yeah. and I woke up one morning and we had pretty much stayed awake all night long. Which in hindsight, I know that sleep deprivation yields seizure activity. Yeah. So I remember getting up. Um, to go brush my teeth, and I had one of those jolts. Those just really quick. I mean, it's it's a split second thing, but it's every muscle in your body. Well, it was strong enough that it threw me to the floor. But of course, you know everybody's laughing, so I'm going to play it off like yeah, I remember. Uh, like I like I tripped uh-huh. and ha ha ha. It's a joke, and but at the same time, it was extremely scary because I, I all I knew is that I had just felt this jolt that threw me down to the floor for no apparent reason, and I felt a feeling of disorientation, almost kind of like, where am I? Yeah, so you were scared when it happened? It was scary. It was I scary. you didn't talk about that? Did you talk about it with mom and dad? I didn't mention that to anybody until, you know, the day that, that I had the big seizure. Did you um, forget about it, or was it just like, eh, but like when you're afraid? I think I pushed it to the back of my mind. Okay. I was just hoping that it was just Outside, a fluke thing that wouldn't okay. happen, okay. that wouldn't happen again. And so I tried not to 
um, to worry too much about it or think too much of it because it wasn't a frequently occurring thing yet. And so I was thinking, okay, hmm, that's weird. It was scary. I don't know what that was about, but I'm not going to let it control me. Right. It's and, not a big deal. But then you had the issue. <clears throat> was it at Jacob Langer's house? Like yes. you came back from watching, was it WCW back yes, when that was I think, I big think so. time? Right. Yeah. And I think that was the first, um, I would call it, I, I, be, I believe that I probably had a seizure overnight that night. Um, and again, it was, you know, we probably got back around three or four o'clock in the morning. So sleep deprivation was an issue again. But I remember waking up that morning and not knowing where I was at. And for a few for just you a few minutes, Jacob's house? I was in Jacob's house and we had all crashed in the living room in sleeping bags. And we were supposed to go to school that, that next day. Um, so maybe it was on a Thursday night or something, probably, mm-hmm. or a Monday night or Thursday night. And um, if I remember my wrestling uh, days, weekdays, but either way, there was school the next day. But I remember waking up, and I didn't know where I was for a couple of minutes, which was scary. I recognized the people around me, but I didn't want to wake anyone up in that while I was in that state of fear. Mm. I don't know if it was because I didn't want them to be scared or if I just didn't want to feel stupid. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to kind of come to an awareness before I, you know, got anyone's attention. So I kind of laid there for a while. Then I finally collected enough information to figure out that I was at, oh, okay, I recognize where I'm at. I'm at Jacob's house. But then why am I at Jacob's house? I couldn't figure out why was it. Why am I not at my house? Mm-hmm. Why am I at Jacob's house? And so... Uh, I certainly wasn't in the right state of mind, but I remember getting up uh, to walk out to, um, I believe his mom said something about, she walked through there and said, you know, guys, wake up. Um, don't forget you've got to go to school today. And so I thought, man, I've got to go to school. And But I was so confused. I like in my mind, I'm like, I can't get home fast enough right now. Like it was kind of scary. I'm like, I need to get home hmm. and say something to mom and dad about the way that I feel. Hmm. I remember walking out the front door of his house and I remember having another one of those jolts like I had at Branson at that hotel. And um, it threw me down to the ground. And I was halfway between, I was in his, actually in his driveway when I remember tripping and falling. And, um, but I woke up on the front step of his house and it was cold and there was snow on the ground. So, and I, and I look, I wake up and I look down and my, I, I, my elbows were bleeding. Goodness. And I, my mouth, I tasted blood. I guess maybe I bit my tongue or something like that. And so I was so confused at that point. But thankfully, you know, for whatever reason, I, I, instead of waking up and going and getting in my truck, <laughs> heaven forbid I have, have been on the, ro- on the road in that state of mind. You know, I went back toward his house. And I guess I must have had a, another episode then. And went down and hit his step, which is mm. where I woke up at. Um, Man. And but still, still at that point, though, you're like, uh, you know, it could be anything, you know? Yeah, like, and, and I thought that's so stupid. That is so stupid. And I would, you know, I would never want my kids to do anything like that, like keep anything like that for me. Yeah. But still, yeah. You're I, keep it out of yourself. I, I, yeah. Or you're all right. Exactly. So that happens up until when did you actually have your grandma seizure that mor- the morning? Take me back to the morning. That was in what? So the that winter. huge seizure was in, um, that was in March. Okay, wow. That I had that seizure. I believe Birthday that, month. I believe, right. I believe that episode at, at my friend's house was in February. Okay, so. So those ran pretty close together. So that morning of the, of, 
of the big seizure, um, that first big episode, uh, it was in March, and um, I just remember not feeling well that morning. I just felt lightheaded and disoriented, and I went and sat in the recliner, went through my usual routine of, of watching Sports Center, you know, before school for a few minutes, kind of before I get get going, and um, I had one of those jolts, and uh, so my, my hand opened, and I dropped the remote control to the TV, and I just thought, man, that's weird. What on earth? So pick it back up, start watching TV again. A couple minutes later, had another jolt, hand open, drop the remote. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's weird. Well, that second one was a little harder than the, than the first one. And um, a few minutes passed by, and still, you know, of course, I haven't said anything to anybody. I'm just going to sit there and ride this thing out, I guess. I don't know why. Mm. <laughs> but I had a third jolt, and it really meant business. I mean, I remember, like, I bit my tongue. Uh, it was it really it was a really hard hit and dropped the remote and I was like, wow, okay, I need to go. Maybe I just need to go, I need to go grab a shower or something mm-hmm. like that um, and and relax, wash my face, as if that's going to fix yeah. anything. Yeah. You're 18, but I'm in though. 18 and yeah. I'm in denial that something may be right. seriously wrong with my body. Sure. So instead of taking a shower, I decided to run a bath, um, which is bad news uh, because, you know, um, the next thing I know, I, I nearly drowned myself. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the only other thing that I can really remember, I can still remember the sound of my limbs hitting the sides of the bathtub, the knocking sound. I remember, which is what alerted mom. That's what yeah. woke mom up. I remember, I can recall the sound just for a, a couple of seconds of just my elbows, knees, I guess, knocking the sides of the bathtub, the door, and you know, as far as anything else, I, just a couple of seconds of that, and then the next thing I know, I'm awake, and everybody's panicking, and the ambulance mom says the ambulance is on the way to pick you up, and I don't have a clue what has happened and when you wake up from a seizure from a grand mal seizure you are so disoriented and it's so strange because people are like you know they're asking you questions and of course you guys were just asking me you know what happened Mm -hmm. what's wrong are you okay Mm -hmm. how do you feel and that's confusing and you know a little bit confusing in itself but then you get like the emts there and they're asking, they know the questions that they really need to be asking someone who's disoriented. They're saying, you know, can you tell me your name? Now, obviously, you guys weren't asking me questions like that, right? That'd be a silly mm-hmm. question mm-hmm. for you guys to ask. Yeah, we don't know what's going on. But they're like, tell me your name. Can you state your name? Well, I understand in that moment that, well, if that's a stupid question. Of course I can state my name. But then you go to state your name and guess what? Couldn't do it. You don't know it. Wow. I remember you being really disoriented. And so... Um, you know, like mom woke me up. Have you heard this story, Bill? I haven't. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. So it, my mom basically what happened woke me up and said, you know, your brother's not breathing. I go in there. Grant is underwater. And somehow I, I remember like CPR class from sixth grade. And so start CPR. I mean, I'm basically like yelling at you to come to. Nothing's happened and start CPR on him. And eventually, you know, you set up, spit up water. But I remember you being really disoriented. And none of us knew anything about seizures at that time. And Mm -hmm. so um, 
But, dude, it was such a traumatic event. And I had not thought about this until recently. And I was kind of working through some just trauma with a, with a therapist. And, dude, I never went back in that bathroom. I can understand that. Isn't that crazy? Like, we were at that house. I don't know how much, how much longer we lived at that house. We moved around a lot. But, like, right. Um, maybe, I mean, at least it was a year. Sure. Years, and I just, I just never went back in there because it was just such a traumatic event mm. for me um, seeing you like that. And, um, yeah, it's, you know, we, we joke about it now. And mm-hmm. we even joked about it some then. Mm-hmm. But it was just really interesting to me that, like, yeah, I never went back in. We just didn't talk about it. Like, no, one was ever, no one was ever yeah. like, hey, Jared, like, why aren't you going in the bathroom again, like, into that bathroom? Nobody um, confronted you about it. Yeah, nobody asked But think about, about your yeah. age, how young you were. Yeah, see, and, I was in ninth grade. You know, and, and I'm lifeless. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then so, what you had to do, you took action. You know, that just that whole yeah. would be very traumatic. Yeah, yeah, but we used humor to kind of get past it. So I, I remember, so. like, yeah. that's, you know, one of the things that Abercrombie and Fitch was big back in those days. And that's I remember being like, hey, bro, like, let me wear your Abercrombie and Fitch shirt. And you'd be like, no. And I'd be like, uh, you wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for me. So it's like, if I had a you're dollar like, seriously, for man? If I had a dollar for every time I heard, dude, I saved your life. In response to me not letting you wear a shirt. Yeah. So you're just lucky to be here right now, aren't you? That that's exactly right. I am lucky to be here. <laughs> a very fortunate man for sure. And so and glad you're here. So thank you, you. Thank you, by the way. Yeah. Well, thank you. You're welcome. So you're welcome. <laughs> thank you for saying thank you. Um so eventually you were diagnosed with epilepsy. Mm-hmm. Um but um, and the hardest part of that, I guess, was like you couldn't drive for a year and it's your senior year, right? That's right. That was bad. That's bad timing. It's bad timing. March of my senior year. So you had, you know, all of those festivities and everything coming up, all the, all the big stuff. And then, you know, I'm out of school and, you know, I can't drive to go see my friends, you know, who I saw every day because I can't drive. So, you know, and then you start college. And you can't drive. That sucks, dude. I can't think of anything lonelier than that at that age. At that age, it seemed, you know, obviously there are far worse things that could have happened and um, certainly could have been much worse. But uh, I think that the it it was definitely took a toll on me mentally and emotionally for sure, in addition to the physical. Do you feel like it it still impacts you at all today? Like that time of your life, do you feel like it's left any sort of impression or that anything changed in you? coming out of that season? I know we haven't talked about this at all, so you we may not even have an answer. Um, I mean, it certainly still it has impacted me. Um, you know, obviously my epilepsy is, is still something that I, that I live with that still affects me. But as far as, I guess, to answer your question directly, did, did that particular, did the timing of all of that? perspective or anything? You know, I, I honestly feel like I felt so, I felt like you, you mentioned the word lonely. I did feel very lonely during that time. Um, I felt um, kind of lost because I was like, how's this going to affect the rest of my life? I, obviously, I was at a turning point in my life where I was moving into college and career. So I'm like, how is this epilepsy going to affect the rest of my life how's it going to affect college how's it going to affect everything moving forward so I think that it was scary I felt like the epilepsy itself was under control 
because I was on a medic. We knew we, we know what it is now. Mm-hmm. So there was some relief there. Okay, we know what it is. It's been diagnosed. I'm on a medicine that, that's that's going to help protect me from the physical harm of it. But I think it was the scary part was like, how is this going to affect the rest of my life? Yeah. Yeah. What, yeah. what kind of role is it going to play? I think for me, like it, one of the things that, cause I've, I've spent time thinking about this just in, you know, whether it's in whatever I've been in my own therapy or whatever, it's like, I think it was one of the first times cause it was around the same year that dad got diagnosed with cancer. Right. And I just remember like two of the closest people to me, both being close to death. And for the first time, I think I was just confronted with, um, how fragile life is. Sure. And just thinking, man, it can change in a moment. And I think what then tend to happen for me, and I can still see it today to where I begin to think, okay, I've got to do whatever I can to control every little detail Mm -hmm. to try to, um, prepare in advance for disaster, Mm -hmm. which creates more anxiety. Mm -hmm. And then I think also for me, it, it kind of caused me, and I can still do this to some extent to live not like, to just not have any super lows or super highs to kind of right. just live in the middle. Because I was like, if you live way high up, like where everything's just awesome and life is good, then mm-hmm. like, bam, whenever tragedy hits, you fall further. Sure. Does that make sense? Sure. It makes perfect sense. And I so it's kind of a, it's kind of a defense. That. Yeah. Or just like a way to try to survive of like living right there in the middle. And I'm aware of that now. And there's sure. things I've tried to do to, to, to work on that and get healing around it. But sure. I was just curious. Yeah. Like if you've experienced anything like that, or I have, that makes perfect sense that I like in that, that example that you gave kind of living in the, in the middle, try not to get too high, um, or think too high or expect too high expectations getting too high. Um, kind of, you know, had a, uh, I guess a way of keeping, keeping your expectations in check. Yes. Does that make sense? Is that totally. kind of what you're saying? Yeah, dude. Yeah. Really had a way of keeping your of my my expectations in check. Yep. So, let's see. That was uh, senior year high school. You go to college. Mm-hmm. Did you know what you wanted to get a degree in as soon as you went into college? I did. So I was pursuing business. Okay. I yeah. was pursuing. You actually working at First National Bank at the time. I right? was. Yes. So we had you know we had a we had a neighbor across the street who uh, was a banker. And we were, we were talking one day about, you know, what are you going to do? Where do you want to work at? I said, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I definitely want to be focused on school. I guess something related to what my major is going to be in would be a good route to take. And she said, well, I can get you a job at the bank. And that's going to kind of be along the lines of where your degree is is at and um, in business administration. And, um, and they're really flexible to work greater on your college schedule. And I'm like, score. There we go. So that's what I wanted to do. So that's kind of how I got my foot in the door, put an application, and worked there for several years because they were absolutely wonderful about working around my college schedule. So basically, like, Grant, give us your schedule, and then we'll work your hours around whatever your schedule needs to be. Mm. So, you know, I went in with that business administration aspect and then quickly convinced myself that, hey, because I'm majoring in business and I have a job at a bank, my quote-unquote foot, foot is in the door. I need to stay on this path. This is my path. I'm going to be a banker. So I'm going to graduate, and I'm just going to stay here, and this is what I'm going to do for a career. And when I was about 18 hours short, 18 hours away from getting my bachelor's in business administration, it just really occurred to me, started occurring to me, impressing heavier and heavier on me that, like, this isn't your calling this could be a a good job for you 
but you're not going to be doing what you're passionate hmm. about. Like this isn't, this doesn't need to be your career. And that became like more and more pressing on me. And I'm like, man, I'm just going to pump the brakes here and go talk to my advisor and say, Hey, look, I think I'm about to graduate with the wrong degree. <laughs> and, um, so I didn't even want to finish that degree. I, I thought, you know, why waste time? And so I just want to switch my major and, and, and get on the right, get onto the right path, not delay that. And so what my advisor asked me, they, they, you know, she asked some good questions. She said, well, what are you excited about? Like, what are you passionate about? What do you want to do? And I remember saying to her, I said, look, I want to, at the end of the day, every day, I want to be able to leave my job feeling like I impacted somebody's life, that I helped someone, that I cared for someone. I don't know if that's necessarily mentally, physically, emotionally. I'm just really passionate about people, and I want to help people. I want to know that I'm making a difference that I'm helping people. Yeah. And where and, do you think that, where do you think that came from, by the way? Cause we, we, we both ended up doing that in different ways, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but wouldn't you say that was instilled in us by mom and dad? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, 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 I believe so. I mean, they both always worked so hard. I feel like to be great caretakers for us and to take care of us. And they always, um, they were always quick to put themselves on the, you know their their things on the back burner oh, for, for sure. our things you know they always and not just for us, always putting but for us first others oh my like gosh. I remember dad going through yes. you know six yeah. different types of chemo mm-hmm. and still going and making hospital visits absolutely like to visit other just people who maybe stop. didn't even yeah they both I mean mom I mean, was always could, baking pies for people and yeah do you remember I mean like what what what's the first thing like when you think about and we could give examples all day on both mom and dad that's a great example of. Of, of dad, you know, when he was sick, you know that there were days where he did not physically, mentally, or emotionally feel like checking on or taking care of anybody else. But he still, in that state, went and took care of other people and, 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 and made a difference in other people's lives, even when he didn't feel like it. And, and, you know, and mom was the same way. I mean, how many times did we drag, um, you know, five friends a piece over oh, the yeah. house? Oh, yeah. And, and mom and would just so cook a feast. You drag five in, I've dragged five in. Now we've got like a dozen kids over there and, and mom immediately goes into has everyone eaten supper? Yeah. And yeah. if like if, if there was anyone there who hadn't eaten who had not eaten supper yet, mom's okay, well well going through the cabinets in the fridge trying to figure out what, what's there so she can cook a meal for them. Yeah, yeah. And then if everybody had eaten, then it's like, Do you want brownies or cookies? I'll tell you what, let's let's fix both. Let me yeah. see if I've got the ingredients. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. we don't have flour. Ron, do you care to run to Walmart, grab some flour and three gallons of milk? <laughs> and like and but and, and then of course what did he do? He sprung into action. Like he didn't hesitate like, you know, and I've had a long day. Like yeah. he just tell me what you need. Yeah. We need flour, we need three gallons of milk. And so off he goes, he comes back and then before you know it, you know that's years of years of that. I remember that it's always being like that. Yeah, I remember Just serving, 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 serving. I remember talking. I was with talking with a pastor in Indiana last year, and uh, I remember giving someone a like when I was in fifth grade. I gave someone my coat. They didn't have a coat. We were at a bus stop and had a short sleeve shirt on, and we were. I just kind of. I don't remember how we had the conversation. He was like, "That's not normal. Like, why did you do that?" And I was like, "I don't man. It's just kind of like the culture I grew up in in our house. It's like you just try to, you know." Mm-hmm. Yeah, you look for needs and try to meet those. And so I think that, yeah, we had a great example set for us. And so it's cool to hear you say you're 
18 hours out from getting a degree and you're like, wait a minute, like I'm going to make money doing this, but that's not necessarily going to fulfill me. Like I want to give my life to trying to serve and help others. Right. So how did the fitness thing, were you working out at that well, point? They, I, I, a little bit. Um, you know, it was, it was kind of, it was kind of my only, my only hobby really, I guess my main hobby at least. Um, and I remember that was another one of the questions that my, my advisor bridged to on, like on the heels of, um, you know, what, what are you passionate about? Like, what do you, what do you want to do? What do you like to do? You know, we, we were talking about the whole, you know, I want, I like to, want to make a difference. After that, she said, well, you know, she said she kind of bridged another question that and said, well, what are your hobbies? What do you, you know, what else do you enjoy to do for, what do you like to do for fun? And I said, well, I like, I, I really like exercise. I like to work out. Like, I think that, that, that fitness is, I find fitness very interesting and, you know, how the body, how the body's wired together, how the body works. And, and, um, she said, well, we've got it. We've got a degree for that. You know, she said, it sounds like exercise, exercise science would be a good fit for you because you could go into that field and, um, you know, you're getting to, um, every day do something that, that interests you, you know, you're going to be in, in fitness, and she said, and at the end of every day, when you go home, you're going to have that satisfaction of knowing that you made a difference in someone's, in someone's life, you know, either physically, mentally, or emotionally. Physically, um, you know, from, from working out with people and mentally and emotionally from encouraging people and, you know, giving them that word of encouragement when they're just discouraged, kind of being their cheerleader, so to speak. And I'm like, wow, that makes perfect sense. So and so that's majors. when I switched majors. Yeah. Like I said, Did I didn't want to, I was, I was so that, that path sounded so attractive to me mm-hmm. when I visualized everything. I thought, I don't want to finish my business degree. I don't want to waste any more time. Like put me on the fast track, get me on the right path, like effective immediately. Did you move to the hospital after that? Cause I remember you started working in the hospital, right? I did. I did. I thought I need to start getting some experience in, in the fitness industry. And so I applied for a job, um, that I knew was opening up at the, uh, AMMC Wellness Center, mm-hmm. and got that job, and so that was my first From official there. job in the in the you know the fitness industry. Yeah. Getting to be around that, kind of soak that in, what that what that consists of, and everything. Did you go straight from there to any time? So I did not go straight from there to to any time. So I I stayed at the wellness center, worked at the wellness center, and um, I was there when I was still there when I when I graduated. Actually, did my internship there. I did half of my. I couldn't. They wouldn't allow me to do my full internship there because I was employed there. So they said you can do half of your internship there at the wellness center where you're employed, and do the other half down in cardiac rehabilitation, which was actually very educational. So I worked out great. I learned a lot there as well about the body um, from a cardiovascular standpoint. So uh, the internship was was a valuable experience, and but when I graduated. Um, college uh you know they weren't in a position to hire me and and pay me what I needed to be paid in order to provide for a family so to speak so you know at that time I was you know I was I was married newly married um we had found out that that uh there was that Dalton was on the way yeah so I'm thinking all the things are going all these things going through my head I'm like okay this is fun I like working at this gym this is great but I've also got to be a big boy and I've got to provide for a family. I've got a baby on the way and they can't guarantee me insurance. 
and all these things that I felt like I needed in order to be a big boy and and provide yeah. for my family, I couldn't get there. And there just wasn't a market at that time really in Paragould, um, you know, like there is now as far right. as the fitness industry. And I thought, I've just got to go to fitness. I don't want to, I don't want to fall back on something else and just go looking for a paycheck. Like this is what I signed up for. This is what I want to do with my life. I'm not just going to fall back on another job. I'm going to pursue fitness because that's where I feel like I need to be. Mm-hmm. And so I went on like uh, monsterjobs.com or something crazy like that and started just searching for jobs and was just willing to go wherever, you know, there was something available. Yeah. Um, and there was a job opening uh, at Bally Total Fitness in Dallas, Texas. And I was like, why not? So talked to Mallory about it. You know, she was she was fine with, with just whatever, going wherever. And um, uh, that just seemed to be, you know, I contacted them and they said, well, come down, you know, for an interview and see if this is something you'd like to do. And so they, I flew down there and um, uh, interviewed uh, for a position at Ballet Total Fitness. And uh, the guy was, it was crazy. I will never forget like that was that was the most insane interview that I that I had ever been to. It was so unorthodox. I thought I was like totally prepared for the interview. I thought that he was just going to make sure that I was knowledgeable in the fitness industry, and um, what he wanted to make sure that I could do was was sell what I was sell something sell that oh, yeah. sell what I believed in. Sure. And uh, so he handed me um, he showed me uh, this really nice cell phone that he had. This guy did his name was Cedric. And uh, he showed me this really nice cell phone and uh, was telling me about all these features on it. And I'm thinking, where is this guy going? Because we literally just shook hands and sat down. The interview hadn't even started yet. Well, it had. I didn't know it. And then he opens his desk drawer and pulls out this cell phone that was outdated, that had a shattered screen. And he pointed out that it was outdated and had a shattered screen. He said, now, handing me that phone, he said, convince me to buy that phone over this phone. Mm. And I... To this day, I do not remember what I said. I think I had one of those Will Ferrell moments when he was, uh, what movie was it where he was doing like the academic like debate? That would be you, Bill. Uh, old, old school. Old school. Yeah. yeah. That was old school. You know how he goes into that moment where he's just like, he's just, just spouts out this answer and gives this beautiful answer and he's like, well, <laughs> what happened? What happened? I do yeah. remember that. Like, I had one of those moments and I, because people are like, when I tip up the story, they're like, what did you say? How did you say on that phone? And I'm like, you know, I said a lot. I just remember... <laughs> saying a lot and I and I don't know I don't recall exactly what I said but I think I had one of those whoa what happened <laughs> moments and he was just looking at me and he said okay Grant well he said it was a pleasure to meet you and uh, he said I'll, I'll let you know um, I'll, you know if you're if you're the right fit for the job and I got back out to the vehicle and uh, Mallory's like how did it go and I'm like wow I don't know I don't know I think I blacked out <laughs> and so um, before we got out of the parking lot uh, he called me and offered me a job and, so uh, and basically said you're hired. So, um, so I didn't have to wait on a phone call very long, just a matter of a couple of minutes. And so we relocated to, uh, to Dallas, to Dallas, Texas. Um, and I started working for Bally Total Fitness. And to be honest, Jared, like, you know, I learned a lot in college, but man, like a year, that year that I was in Dallas, um, was absolutely priceless the experience because i mean it was for it was way out of my comfort zone and um you know before i knew it i was training 
gosh. I, my first client was at 5 a.m. And we lived in McKinney, Texas. So I had to drive from McKinney to Dallas for my first client at 5. So I'm up at 3.30 in the morning getting ready. Had my first client at 5 a.m. And my last client was at 8 p.m. Goodness. So I finished at 9. That's when the club closed. And then I would drive back home and get home close to 10 o'clock at night. So it was a really long day. Um, you know, I was training about, um, you know, between 40 and 50 hours a week of PT, of personal training, depending on, you know, uh, if I had a few cancellations, it might be on the lower end, closer to 40 hours. But some weeks I was training close to 50 sessions per week um, of personal training. Uh, they offered me a job, um, a promotion to personal training director, which is uh, to the director, uh, to be a director of personal training, which is where basically I would go from doing just personal training full time to doing personal training slash overseeing all of the other trainers. There were 15 of us. And so basically I would still be doing a little bit of training, but I would be overseeing the other 14 trainers to make sure we had, we had quotas that we had hit every month. So like, for example, like, you know, I had to hit, I had a, an exceptionally high quota of $10,000. So I had to sell 10000 They expected me to sell $10,000 a month, bring in $10,000 a month per month in PT revenue on my own. So each trainer had a quota. So the personal training director's job was to hit their quota and make sure everybody else hit their, hit their quota. Um, so uh, they started training me for that position to be a personal training director, hmm. which, was, which, was, which was, was awesome. So I was really happy about that. And... So- Trans started, you know, transitioned into that role, and then um, all the wheels kind of started coming off. I feel like back, back home. Um, uh, you know, unfortunately, dad was dad was sick again. His cancer had come back, um, and both of our grandfathers uh, were sick, were ill, and I remember we were coming back almost every. Had found ourselves coming back home almost every weekend. Um, you know, mom was just beating herself ragged, trying to take care of everybody, you know, trying to be everything for everyone. And, um, I just, I was feeling this strong pull back home and every weekend, uh, when we came back to Paragould, it was just that much harder Mm -hmm. to go back to Dallas every weekend. And so it finally came to a point where I said, you know what, look, I don't know what I'm going to do here in Paragould, but like for the sake of family, like we've got to, we need to come back home. We need to move, mm. need to move back home, need to come back to, back to Paragould. Mm. So, um, I put in my, my notice and, um, you know, at that, that point in time I had started to become interested in running, running a gym. I thought, man, I was starting to think along those lines. I thought it, you know, when I went from trainer to director of personal sure. training, I started thinking a little bit higher about climbing the ladder. Like, Ooh, Running a club would be cool. Manager would be cool. General manager, that'd be awesome to like just be, you know, to run to run the gym. That would be a fun job. And um, was just thinking that, but not pursuing it yet. Well, when I put my notice in and told them that I was moving back, um, they offered me uh, the job of general manager of that club. It was a huge club. It was a multi-level facility. It would it looked like a dream job to me from the outside looking in. I'm like, man, you know, this huge club with all of these pools and all of these saunas and and all of these people and it's like to be in control of this and to to 
be manager of this gym looks like a lot of fun. That would be like a dream job. And, um, you know, they gave me a really great offer. And I said, you know, I can't, you know, I've, I, my family's got to come first and I've got, I'm, I'm going to have to decline, you know, thank you, but no, thank you. I'm going to have to decline the offer, um, of general manager because I need to, I need to go back home and, and be with where my family's at. And I remember the guy, you know, he looked at me and he said, um, he said, can I offer you some advice? And I said, sure. And he said, son, sometimes he said, um, when you want to become successful and you want to quote unquote, climb the ladder, you have to put things like family on the back burner Wow, and focus on your job and do what you've got to do to get where you want to be. And that made leaving so much easier. Oh yeah. I was like, well, this is who I thought this is who I'm answering to. This is the guy that I'm working for. Yeah. No. And so it just made it that much easier to move back to Paragold. So you move back and eventually you get contacted from guys in Louisiana about starting anytime, right? Mm-hmm. John and Colin Riley. So about opening an uh, opening an anytime fitness club. And uh, I was very familiar with the anytime fitness franchise franchise and um, would have loved to have opened one. Uh, but, you know, being as young as I was at that time, um, obviously I, you know, I didn't have the funds to invest. I even tried to write some grants mm-hmm. and like get someone to give me the money to open it. You know, I talked to a few guys and tried to find an investor to open an anytime fitness club. And so anytime fitness was actually already something I was looking at and mm-hmm. trying to do, but the timing just wasn't right. Right. And so that was, and so ended up in Dallas and then came back. And then I hear from these two brothers, these two brothers, John and Colin, and they had already, they owned a handful of clubs. And they were looking to open one in Arkansas and had been up here and researched demographics. And they thought Paragold would be a nice place for a club. And so um, it was it was kind of, I had mixed feelings about it. I was like, okay, okay, this is a blessing. Um, it's a job in the fitness industry. But at the same time, I'm like, ah, it's kind of my dream. I kind of wanted to open an Anytime Fitness Club and, mm. and, um, and, and own an Anytime Fitness Club. But I thought, nevertheless, I'll you know, I'll pursue this and I'll check into this. And so, um, we went through an interview and they offered me the position, um, of general manager and, and, and doing personal training and, and starting anytime fitness. And that was back when, what year? That was in, that was in back in late 2007. Okay. Late 2007, because we opened in January of 2008. Okay. So that was late 07. Um, whenever that offer came across the table, um, and, uh, I, I want to say in December, uh, we started pre-selling memberships. Mm-hmm. And so that just consisted of going door to door, hitting up friends and family, going to local businesses, um, and saying, Hey, I'm going to, there's a new gym coming to town and I'm going to be the general manager. And I would love to sell you a membership if you're interested and just kind of see, and then just kind of see where, where we went from there. And so, yeah. The goal was to sell as many memberships in December as we could prior to opening in January. And, yeah. then, and there you go. So that's when did y'all buy, buy them out? 
So uh, we bought them out just a few years ago, about three years ago. You, so Kyle Lane. Me and Kyle, yes. So, um, you know, I had talked to Kyle before. We'd had a conversation about, um, you know, being partners in the business, and he had expressed that that if, um, you know, if my, um, you know, if, if the existing owners ever expressed interest in selling, um, you know, that he may, he may be interested. And so... Um, Whenever uh, Colin decided to to sell, um, he kind of had reached a point in his life uh, that he wanted to kind of downgrade a little bit. He had all of these clubs, and he's like, okay, I think I just kind of want to downgrade it, just having a couple close to home. Mm-hmm. And so when he let me know that, he said, look, I'm, I'm not going to um, – uh, to list it with, with the franchise. He said, you've been running this club for a decade. He said, you should have the opportunity to, you know, to, to own this gym, um, more than anyone else. So instead of listing it for sale with the franchise, I want to come to you and say, you know, Hey, I want you to own this club. Um, I want you, you know, um, you've worked, you've worked for it and I want you to have the opportunity. And so, you know, I reached out to Kyle and I said, hey, look, you know, Colin's downgrading. He's, he's selling some of his clubs and he said that he's interested in selling Paragold. He wants to sell it to me. Um, would you be interested in, in making this investment with me mm-hmm. um, and us going in together and, and buying and buying Colin out? So that's what Kyle and I did. We, yeah. you know, uh, negotiated with Colin and uh, went back and forth a little bit. And, and then finally, I uh, just kind of pulled the trigger on the deal, and Kyle and I went in together and, and, and bought Colin out. So yeah, so y'all started it. Uh, when, I remember y'all started over next to Hayes, and then y'all mm-hmm. moved over, got a little bigger spot in yes. uh, next to Battens, and now let's see when by the time this comes out or shortly after, you mm-hmm. guys will be in the old Tamales restaurant, the old Tamales building. Yeah. So tell me about what's what's the big changes there? I'm guessing bigger space. So we have we're going to have much more space. So I've seen firsthand from making that jump from the smaller club that we had eventually to the larger club space that we're in now, what having just having more space can do for a gym, you know, just giving people more room to move around, being able to add new equipment that you've been wanting, that you've been needing and, um, and, and having room for more stuff, um, and investing in the members more. And so, uh, you know, this this jump, this next jump from where we're at now to the El Tamales building is an even bigger, you know, uh, leap for us because we're going to have uh, a much larger increase in space than we had from gym one to gym, from space one more to space two. Feet? So Which we're looking difference? at about 2,600 more square feet oh, wow. okay. than we have now. And that first time that we increased, the that increase was was much smaller, but it made a big difference. So I can only imagine what, you know, having all of this extra space is going to do. I mean, there have been, um, you know, pieces of equipment, uh, things that we've wanted to add to our gym for, for several years now, um, that we haven't, that we've been unable to, um, add because we didn't have the space for it, but we were, you know, we were in a lease that we had to honor that we had to complete. And so, um, you know, we, we were landlocked, so to speak. And so we said, hey, let's just do the best we can with the space we got for as long as we have to be here. And then when the time comes, let's start looking for a different space and let's upgrade and let's find more space and make sure we've got plenty of it to invest in the equipment that we've been wanting for that our members mm-hmm. have been asking for for a long time. 
And so, you know, this has allowed us to look at where we have the biggest needs um, for the sake of our members getting the best results. Because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it's it's all about them. That's it's about them getting the results that they that they deserve. And we want them to have everything at their fingertips that they could possibly have. You know, no excuses. Mm-hmm. Like we've got everything we need mm-hmm. um, to get the results that we want and to maintain them. And so, um, you know, our, our our group exercise area is going to be substantially larger. We need we needed more space there, and um, and then our other areas of the gym needed to be enlarged so that we could make investments in equipment that we felt like was was going to be necessary. Um, you know, for people to uh, kind of reach that next level. Mm-hmm. And, and plus, you know, just honestly, just even if you put that, that to the side, just switching locations, just kind of changing the scenery, I think will, will kind of help a lot of people revamp and kind of sure. hit that reset button yeah. or refresh, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. It's great, man. We're super excited about it and just super blessed. Well, I'm excited for you guys. To be honest, I was really sad when Tamales left because <laughs> we used we catered them all the time up here at yeah. the crossing. But yeah. uh, I couldn't be more excited for you guys. If there Thank was anybody you, that was going to occupy that building <laughs> other than Tamales, I'm glad it's Anytime Fitness. Thank you. And so I would love to hear from you before we end um, our conversation. What is it? And I think I know how you'll answer this, but I still want you to just to hear it from you personally, what is it that you enjoy so much about what you do? What is it that gives you the most satisfaction? And I think you've already kind of hit on this a little bit, but um, when you think about, man, you've had this dream, you know, I've started this gym because you want to be able to help people. And, you know, have you been able to see that dream realized? Like, what is it specifically? Yeah. Now that you've been in it for this many years that you can look back on and say, like, man, like this is why I still love the job. Sure. So I, you know, pursued, you know, I changed that degree and started that career path because I said I wanted to be able to leave at the end of the day and feel like that I have somehow impacted someone's life, made a difference. And I get to do that. I'm blessed to be able to do that every day. You know, I give God all of the glory for that. Um, I'm in the position that I'm in um, because he allows it, has allowed it, allowed me to be here. And continues to allow it. Um, so I want to, you know, to make sure that I cast all of the, the glory on him for us being where we are and for me being able to do what I love to do every day. And, you know, sometimes it, 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 that it comes in, I guess, making a difference in this industry comes in so many different forms. There's so many different um, ways that you can do that. You know, it's not just the physical aspect. So some days I may leave and I may have had a conversation with someone who we celebrated, you know, a, a, a large amount of weight that they lost. Um, you know, maybe they hit a weight goal and that feels, and that feels good to help them reach that goal. And, um, you know, some days uh, it might be um, someone just came in and said, hey, look, um, you know, I really appreciate you guys helping helping me out since I've been working out here. I've been able to come off of my blood pressure and my cholesterol medication. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's a different thing. And sometimes it's not even fitness related. Like sometimes people come into the gym and they're not even that particular day for whatever reason, mm-hmm. they're not there mm-hmm. to pursue their fitness goals. Like they just needed the therapy. They had a bad day at work. Yeah. And 
they just needed to talk. Yeah. Like they needed to ventilate. It's and amazing, so sometimes man. it's just a conversation. Sometimes when I drive home, I didn't celebrate in, you know, weight loss with anyone that day or, or coming off of a medication, but it might have been just a conversation that I got to have with somebody um, that just needed to talk that day. Yeah, it's about amazing what they're how going through. I was talking with, uh, I went to the dentist before this episode, and I was the lady who was uh, there kind of working with me. She was basically telling me how she wants to write a book of all the different conversations she's had with patients that come in, mm-hmm. which she can't do but would like to be able to do. And we got talking, and she said, it's amazing the kind of stuff people will, will come in and talk to me about. And I said, why do you think they talk so much to you and tell you all these things and personal things? And she's mm-hmm. like, I think just most people don't have anyone to listen to them. Mm-hmm. And so whenever they find someone who will, like, they're going to talk and they're going to open up because they just want someone to hear them. Sure, and yeah. You've always been a good listener. You know, you've always been compassionate. Uh, we joke a lot about even growing up, like I was the one who'd throw a butter knife at you when I got mad. <laughs> you did, And that. you just always were gracious, were always merciful, always forgiving. And, um, you know, I even remember being a, a little kid, you know, and would would want to sleep in your bed so basically I could just talk and you would listen. And so um, I think people, Thank you for they, that. yeah, they pick up on that, man. When they walk into the gym, I think, you know, um, and obviously I'm a little biased, but anytime fitness is... I know for you personally, like you want it to feel more like a family than yeah. just like some sort of membership or people are paying their dues and, you know, they're coming in and throwing some weights around and then that's all there is to it. And, and that shows, man. So that's definitely a part of the culture there. And I think you guys are doing a, a great job and, um, yeah, excited to see you be able to fulfill a dream that you feel like God put in your heart. Thank you for saying that, Jared. And I feel like that we have, you know, I feel like I see that at, at every level at the gym. Um, when I say every level, I mean, not just it's not just something that comes from myself. I see it in my, in my staff. I see it in my members. Um, you know, people being good listeners, people encouraging people, mm-hmm. people being cheerleaders for each other. Um, you know, we're blessed with, uh, uh, we've been blessed with a wonderful staff who has embraces that same mentality. Um, you know, that I do, they, they have a passion for caring for other people and also have a passion for fit, for fitness. When you blend those two things together, um, you know, I think it creates a good environment for, you know, having, having a, a team of people who like to listen and like to help yeah, and like to make a difference. And so then you see that trickle down even to another level to, to our members, you know, and, and I just feel like that just spreads like a wildfire through our gym. I feel like that really just makes our, 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 our fam- our club unique because I feel like we really are a family. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like everybody's, everybody's cheerleader. Mm-hmm. everybody's being a good listener everybody's supporting everybody and um you know that's 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 a true blessing i'm really happy i don't want to end without giving you a chance to maybe speak into this we'll end sure. here i think since you are um you love being the coach inspiring others encouraging others what mm-hmm. would you say to someone who maybe is still listening that uh they're not where they want to be physically, mm-hmm. you know, um, maybe they want to, I know it's for you, it's about more than the physical. Let's just talk about the physical. Someone says, man, like I, I want to be healthier. I want to be stronger. I want to be whatever, 15 pounds lighter, whatever it may be, but they're having a hard time getting there. What encouragement would you give to them? Don't give up. Don't ever give up. There is not this one thing out there that works for everybody. But I have learned from experience that there is 
that everyone can find something that will work for them. Everyone can find something that will work for them. Mm-hmm. And so just don't give up. Don't I can under I understand why people get discouraged sometimes when it comes to fitness. We want those results fast. But people are capable of so much more than they think they are. Like you really are capable of so much more than you know. And I see that. I get to see that every day. You know, people uh, do something and be like, man, I can't believe I just did that. I can't believe I, that I was able to do that, to finish that workout or to do that exercise. And you you are always capable, capable of more than you know. Like you're, you know, when you're working out, like your mind will start telling you to pump the brakes or to slow down or to stop. And just push past that, push through that, because when you do, you'll surprise yourself at what you're actually capable of doing and every time that you get that those signals from your body, the heart rate's going up, the mind is saying, ooh, this is hard, I am uncomfortable, and you are officially out of your comfort zone, mm-hmm. it's that point where you have the tendency to pump the brakes and slow down or stop that if you will just keep your foot on the gas and push through that, that not only makes you stronger physically, but that makes you stronger mentally. Mm-hmm. That builds character. Mm-hmm. So uh, people just need to understand that they are capable of far more than they know. And, you know, one thing I, I remind people often is, um, you know, when they're in the gym, don't compare your beginning to someone else's middle mm-hmm. ever. Like that's where I see people also tend to fall off or go backwards is they're, they're trying to match their success to someone else's or be where someone else is at it. Like don't compare your beginning to someone else's middle. Everybody had a beginning. Like that person was a starter too. So regardless of how intimidated you may be by where they're at physically, they also had a starting point. They were a beginner one time. Hmm. Be a beginner. It's okay. Be a beginner. Think like a beginner. And, you know, a- approach us. Like confront confront people who are willing to help, like myself, who want to see you get traction and reaff- and, and, and and just, you know, make that impression on you that it's okay to think like a beginner and be a beginner. This is our starting point. This is where you are. We're going to start here. And then from there, once you have your starting point, strive for progress, not perfection, mm. because you're not, you're not going to be perfect at any exercise, at any, at any, any component of fitness. It's hard to be you know, especially nutrition. Oh my gosh. Like strive for progress, not perfection. So set, once you have that starting point, you know, move forward and set small achievable goals Mm -hmm. and just try to get a little better every week and understand that failure is part of that process. Mm -hmm. Like that's part of the climb. Mm -hmm. Part of the climb is failure. Like you're going to, to say, okay, I'm going to eat clean five days this week and have cheat meals on on Saturday and Sunday, and there are going to be days that you say something like that, and then on Wednesday you decide to compromise with yourself and say, I know it's only Wednesday, I know I said it was going to be five days, eat clean five days, but I'm going to have a cheat meal day because I want it. And then the next day people beat themselves up for stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like, don't. Like, that's, you know, setting goals and not reaching all of them, that's part of the climb. But mm-hmm. that's how when we keep pushing forward, just like when we're wanting to give up when we're tired, when you keep pushing forward and striving forward, like that's where you really build character and you get stronger. So just don't give up and don't be afraid to ask people for help and have a have a support system, you know. Yeah. Um, it makes all the difference in the world to 
I think to share your goals with some people that you think might be supportive of that mm-hmm. and might help hold you accountable. Accountability goes a long ways. Yeah, it's all great advice, man. That's thank a you. great place to to end. And so I just want to thank you so much for uh, making space to come on. And if you know, if I can ever help you at all with making gains uh, in your bench press, don't hesitate to let me know. <laughs> I know that you're willing to help, and I appreciate that. You've already done so much for me. You saved my life. That's a good point. Great place to end. Thanks, Grant. Thank you. My pleasure. All right, so that was my bro, Grant Pickney. Uh, man, it was, it was always good to be able to catch up with him. Obviously, I knew uh, a lot of that, but um, one of the things that really jumped out to me as I was listening to him is just, again, man, like anybody that has accomplished anything great or you know seen their dreams become a reality is like they're people who are not afraid of failure, and they understand that failure plays an important role you know in life and that as he said as we kind of ended there builds character builds perseverance and it helps us come out better it can help us to come out better and so um, glad that uh, Grant came on and um, if you are you know still listening to this as always we want to thank you for um, tuning in you can find us at paragolpodcast.com we're also on all the social media platforms twitter Instagram, Facebook. If you're not a subscriber to our email list, uh, be sure and subscribe. And of course, you will win opportunities possibly to um, you know get a gift card or something else as we uh, begin to have more drawings for those. So um, again, thanks so much for listening. Until next time.